Welcome to the Strengthening a Palliative Approach in Long-Term Care Alliance podcast, exploring challenges and best practices in palliative care approaches for individuals in long-term care. Rebecca Churchard is the CEO and founder of Green Care Farms, a social enterprise that provides outdoor day programs on a farm for people with dementia. Rebecca has a Master of Social Work in Gerontology and is also a psychotherapist. She has served on the Toronto Council on Aging Board of Directors and as an Accountability Table Member with the City of Toronto Senior Strategy. Welcome to the podcast, Rebecca. Thank you so much for having me. I think this is going to be a fascinating conversation and I'd like to start by asking you what a green care farm is exactly. A green care farm is a combination of agricultural activities with a population who could benefit from support. You could have clients that come from the healthcare or welfare sector. You could have people who have psychiatric needs or differences, people who are living with addictions, with intellectual differences, with mental health concerns. It could be specific to children with autism or people with dementia. So in my case, we operate a program for people with dementia very specifically. But a care farm is a programming model that could be applied to many, many different populations who would benefit from support. Ah, that's fascinating. And and I understand that there are farms like this in Europe. So Dr. Simone de Bruyne, um, who is a well-published author in this area of research, she was presenting at a conference I was at. And once I learned about the program, I started to look for where are there care farms in Canada. There are a few of them but we're the first ones for people with dementia. Wow, and where are you located? The program that we have operating now, it operates out of Andrews Farm Market and Winery, which is in Milton, Ontario. So tell me a little bit about the programs. What happens on a care farm? So a lot of fun. (laughs) That's, I think, the most important thing is what happens. A lot of fun and um, unanticipated adventures, as well as a very, hopefully, well-planned garden. So we operate the majority of the programming out of our sensory garden, which is a half-acre plot of the 165-acre farm. What we do in that space is very similar to what folks do at home in their garden and or on their farm if they have a farm. So outdoor activities, we plant, we weed, we clean up a lot. We actually got really into composting last year. We do a lot of discussion around what we're going to plant in in different structures that we have. So we have garden boxes, raised beds, we have all kinds of different shapes and styles of garden beds. It's a really nice balance between, you know, connecting with each other, that social engagement, uh, working together on something, which is really nice, and figuring out what we'd like to do where and what needs more attention or love and care at any point in time. Amazing. It does sound like a ton of fun, but it sounds like a ton of work as well. I'm wondering, is your background as a gardener? I know you learned about these farms, but it's one thing to learn about them. It's a whole other thing to actually start one. (laughs) You know what, Nancy, this is a great question. I worked in landscaping before I started any kind of professional or academic journey. I am no farmer. (laughs) I would never claim to be a farmer. 100% what I learned a ton about last year is farming itself. It's actually one of the um, beautiful things from the program is that my clients, the folks who are coming on, they know way more than I do about farming and I need that knowledge. And I also grew up working on my grandparents' farm. So my grandparents had a Christmas tree farm. They were instrumental in, in my journey to do this. 
My grandpa because so much of the program really connects back to him. So he was diagnosed at the age of 63. He was young, young, busy, busy, busy guy. <laughs> all kinds of tools, all kinds of equipment, right, on his farm. And then, boom, diagnosed with dementia, things are changing. Things are not safe anymore, and he doesn't have insight to that. So very stressful for my grandma. He's a man, and he enjoyed working with other men. That's how he was socialized, was to do a lot of farming activities with kind of other guys and keeping very busy with their hands. And he wanted to continue that, even with dementia. And the opportunity to do that in the types of programs that we had conventionally, wasn't it wasn't there. And so my grandparents really struggled with that. So I already had that background and experience and, and you seem to have combined that with your education in gerontology and as a psychotherapist. Definitely. Yeah. So uh, uh, from the education side then, what do you see are the benefits? Uh, what happens when people with dementia come to the farm? The benefits of a care farm are vast. They have to do with, of course, our physical health, our social health and our, our mental well-being. There is robust research, especially from Europe, and I've reviewed a lot of it myself, but there's more coming out every day, so it's, it's growing and growing. We have discovered that this type of program for people with dementia can actually result in a delay in admission to long-term care, and this is through building cognitive resilience and, generally speaking, psychosocial well-being, just that kind of holistic health picture that we're always striving for. You get a lot of those needs met on the farm, especially working in the farm. It is a lot of work, but we, and I feel we inherently need responsibility as humans. We kind of need to be needed. Everyone needs to be loved, right? So we, we kind of address some of those needs there. The program keeps people with dementia physically active, keeps everyone active, me too, keeps all of us active, and it also provides respite to care partners. So those are the two of the factors that can really help to delay an admission to long-term care. If you can keep a care partner um, as well as possible at home, you're supporting them in keeping the person with dementia at home. So how often do people uh, come? Is it like, do they come once a week or? For our program, it's once a week from spring to fall. That's great. And what do the participants tell you? On our current approaches, ubiquitously for dementia, a lot of them are focused on spoken word. So my grandpa, he had a semantic form of cognitive impairment, which impacted his verbal fluency, his ability to create speech. So something that's very important to me about this program is the sensory engagement. I'd say that I, I know the most about how my clients feel in the program, not by what they say, but what they do. And the look on their faces and their, their energy or their dedication, their commitment to doing something, their, their willingness to be redirected or supported in doing an activity. Smiling is a huge one, right? Smiling and just feeling like a, a day's uh, good work has been done. I'm less interested in, in saying, you know, is this type of program exactly what you need to meet your, your clinical needs, I guess, and more around, you know, did you have fun today? Like seeking opinion, seeking their engagement, giving them that option, and absolutely just filling the day with a ton of sensory engagement. What you see, smell, hear, taste, touch, right? Because certainly what I've experienced is the ability to formulate speech in a way that doesn't make someone with dementia feel bad. 
often there's some insider awareness that what they're saying doesn't necessarily make sense or isn't the same as other people. And I think that's a pretty distressing feeling, knowing that you can't put words together the way that other people around you can. So I stay away from that <laughs> and just focus on other ways that humans can connect and communicate and engage. I think it's fabulous that you're really taking that approach and that sensory approach, we kind of forget that those are the things that we keep with us throughout our lives, right? And the remembrance of a certain smell or a certain touch. Oh yeah, there's so much there. So there's also the kinesthetic or tertiary memory. So that is the hand memory or the body memory that somebody who has a background in farming or gardening experiences when they're doing something with their body. Absolutely. We really uh, provide a lot of autonomy and agency for our people to do what they'd like to do in a safe and supported way. So they, they get to choose. I think, you know, one of the, the key indicators to me that people are enjoying is that they come back and they're excited to come back. They're getting ready for the next day. They're looking forward to it. They're thinking about, you know, what they've got at home that they want to bring to put in the garden or to spice it, spice it up, spruce it up, whatever. Their own personal touches. And that really tells me a lot about how they feel, right? Obviously, spoken and um, spoken communication, verbal reading, writing, comprehension, those sorts of things are, are really important. But there's a lot of other types of sensory engagement communication that are very nurturing as well, very soothing for the soul, very gentle. And I think all of us need more of that to reduce stress, <laughs> to, to just have more relaxation, more enjoyment. And being outside gives that to you. That's why it's a nature-based program, right? So just having that concentrated time. We're outside. We're going to be outside. We have things to do outside that's really meaningful to people. Yeah, absolutely. It, creating a farm and maintaining a farm with living things is always um, a lot of work. Um, what were the challenges that you faced in, in creating this program? Well, I'd say probably working through my own personal fear or um, insecurities around if it was enough or if it was going to be good enough or if it would you know, adequately meet the needs. There are many different care farms across Europe, UK, other countries. Um, that, was a, that was a pretty big challenge to figure out enough of what was in common but could be applied here, um, ensuring that the program itself had the infrastructure, so the intake and assessment to make sure that folks were supported um, well, but also to carefully differentiate ourselves. We are not a medical program. We're a respite, recreational, social, therapeutic type of program. And I think for a lot of folks who are interested in this, so usually what we're seeing is early to mid stages of dementia, which is, I wanted to support that need because that's what my, my grandparents were going through. They needed a program like this at that stage for my grandpa's dementia. And so often at early to mid stages of, of uh, progression, families aren't really sure what's out there. So when someone is first encountering dementia in their loved one or a person who, are, who they're providing care for, there's a lot to be considered and a lot of it relies on the medical model. But that doesn't mean that everything that you need comes from the medical model. There's a lot that you need that comes outside of it as well. So it's a careful balance of communicating that the program can support somebody with this type of difference or disease, but is not a medical intervention.
So how do people learn about and, and get into your programs? I think the most helpful way so far has been word of mouth. Anybody age 40 to, to end of life who lives in Halton Hills, Milton area. And that's really important in the program delivery is that it meets the needs of the community where the person lives. So do people pay to be in the program or are there subsidies through any governments or anything? They do pay to be in the program. At this time, we don't have a direct subsidy. That would is absolutely a personal dream of mine, I would say. I would love for Green Care Farms to be able to be a referral pathway as part of adult day programs. It isn't right now because it does exist separate from the government. So what we do for our fee structure is we do a seasonal membership. It depends if somebody's with us for the entire season. If they join in later in the season, then we have a prorated fee. Um, if somebody requires some higher care needs than others and we're, we're allocating more staffing for that person for them to have a good day, that might change the cost. We internally have subsidized before. If somebody with dementia would benefit from being on the farm, I would always suggest reach out. We'll talk. We'll figure something out. One of the other uh, things that differentiates Green Care Farms from other programs is our partnerships. Our goal with the Sensory Garden is to grow food to donate to the Food for Life Food Bank. So we're all participating in growing food for people who maybe can't afford or don't have access to fresh produce, which is very important for our health. And I can tell you every single person who hears that feels reassured and like they're doing something important and meaningful. And they are. It truly is. We have an amazing relationship with Food for Life. They're able to redistribute that food into a street outreach program, which is awesome. So for whatever reason, people who aren't able to leave their homes or they have barriers to leaving their home, they're able to get fresh produce grown from green care farms delivered to them. So love that. <laughs> That's great. How much do you think you're providing in a season? Well, I, can, I can tell you last year we donated over a thousand pounds. Andrew's Farm Market and Winery has also thrown in some produce from their market front. They have been an outstanding partner. Andrew's was very much interested in showing that, you know, their farming space has something for someone of any age and with, with different needs. The other partner that I think differentiates us was our relationship with Community Living North Halton. So Green Care Farms as a, as a structure, as a business structure, is a social enterprise. So the people that we work with as a social purpose business to show that community connectivity. We want to work with other businesses in a complementary way that will help us all have a good day together. So the Community Living North Halton also operates a social enterprise, and they're a program where people with intellectual differences or needs, those folks are supported in Community Living North Halton to build those skills that might get them into the workforce. So they have a job there. Yeah. And what we do is we purchase our catered lunches from the cafe, the Lunchbox Cafe, which is a social enterprise that Community Living North Halton operates. Awesome, that's amazing. So what's in the future for you and for the farm? Our vision is a green care farm in every community in Canada. I personally am very much dedicated to that. I really think we need to have opportunities for people with dementia to be outside. I think there's so much potential in Canada. Um, 
I personally am, am interested in supporting initiatives where we can help other farmers get started, help other um, communities identify who their who their leader might be, who might be able to kind of take this on and uh, grow it in their own community. So the expansion and replication can look very different in so many it can look very different in many different ways. You can run a green care farm on virtually any operational farm. So a horse farm is going to be very different than an alfalfa farm. Like You're going to have different types of needs and considerations. You can have a care farming experience on a continuum. So it can be as simple as a one-time workshop. So think of like a two-hour-a-day. Then you progress to something like mine, a day program. To take that one step further, you might be able to offer overnight respite. Then the next progression would be, it's a big jump, 24-7 living facility on a farm. It's possible because our friends in the Netherlands do it. They have 24-7 living facilities, which are extremely similar, if not the same, as long-term care home. That is what I would like to see. Do I know how? I don't. But I know enough about the principles of all of them to be able to move them forward. And you have the passion. Oh, I think it's so important. I love having conversations like this because I have not met a single person who doesn't understand how deeply we need this. Nobody. Exactly. Thank you for speaking with me today, Rebecca. You're welcome. You've been listening to the Strengthening a Palliative Approach in Long-Term Care podcast. For more information about our project, visit SPA LTC dot ca